The Athletic. This is the best club in the world. Don't care what other people do. Lovely control by Jota. Touch was exquisite. Mo Salah's on a hat-trick already. Gets the hat-trick. Oh! Mo Salah off the bench with another hat-trick. It's a five-minute hat-trick for Mo Salah. Well, Jürgen says the mood has changed and they're in the right frame of mind to take on Manchester City in possibly the biggest game of the season. Mo's mad Champions League hat-trick came at a great time and Bobby continues to be the man in form. That plus the emergence of young Ben Doak, who's making massive waves at the Liverpool Academy. I'm Steve Hothersall, James Pearce and Kiva O'Neill. Join me for uh, the Red Agenda. And for once of late, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves, about all things Liverpool. It was just the result that we all needed, desperately needed, James. Yeah, it, it certainly was, Steve, especially on the back of all the negativity that, that followed that defeat at the Emirates last weekend. And you know, it wasn't just the manner in which that game was lost. I think it was also just the injury setbacks. And you you just thought, oh my God, is is kind of that that doom and gloom kind of closing in once again. And for that to be lifted in the manner in which it was at Ibrox on Wednesday night was a was a real sight to behold. And yeah, what an absolutely crazy game. Because I thought for the best part of 45 minutes, Rangers did very well. Unsettled Liverpool. Liverpool were, were miles off it. I was, I was surprised actually hearing Jurgen Klopp say afterwards that he thought Liverpool played well first half. I, I didn't. They got themselves back into the game thanks to some shoddy marking from a set piece. Having conceded what was at the first goal for the seventeenth time in twenty-one games in all competitions, you know it's so at half time it looked like it was going to be a struggle. But yeah, Liverpool went through the gears second half and absolutely blew them away. And obviously the substitutes made a a big difference. And it was just what the doctor ordered, wasn't it, in terms of confidence going into such a big game against Man City on Sunday. Well, there's two players that you pick out, isn't there? One of them came off the bench in Mo Salah. We'll start with him because. He became a record breaker for uh, the speed of his hat-trick. Six minutes, 12 seconds. Just before we, we started the pod, I said to you, do, do you think he was a little bit miffed? You know, subbed at Arsenal, left on the bench for this game. Is, is there a little bit of an element of a response to how Jürgen has, has handled him, maybe in the last couple of games? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I, think, I think that certainly would have been in his head because we know, we know that though, you know, Mo Salah... He almost exists to score goals, doesn't he? He, he? he likes to be the main man. He he wants to be influential. He's a he's a match winner. And you know when you get taken off at Arsenal when the game's in the balance at two two, and then you get left out of a of a of a big Champions League game. You know he, he would have been you know I think sat there absolutely desperate to get out there and, and yeah and a, and a little bit of right I'll I'll show you. And he certainly did that, didn't he? It was, you know, absolutely breathtaking. When you just ridiculous to think, he only had nine touches of the ball, four shots, three goals, as you said, Steve, a six, a six-minute hat trick. You know, he probably should have had four because I, I was, I was thinking back over the the shot he had that didn't go in was um, a bit of a tame finish that McGregor was able to easily gather. So um, yeah, I think you know, there was so many positives on the night, but for me. The Salah one is huge because he hasn't been himself this season. You can't get away from that. And I think there's been some unfair criticism thrown at him. I think, you know, the most unfair thing for me has been the suggestion that, oh, you know, typical gets gets his big 350 grand a week contract and takes his foot off the pedal. And I don't think anyone who 
has played with or worked with Mo Salah believe that to be the case. But, you know, of course, people jump to conclusions and draw parallels with, say, you know, Arsenal did this with Aubameyang and, you know, what were they doing giving out a contract like that to someone who's who's gone past 30? But no, I, I think, as we've talked about on the pod before, Steve, I, I've always felt this season that, yes, he's been lacking a little bit of spark and a little bit of belief, but... Liverpool haven't played to his strengths. He he's been stuck out on that wide on that right far too often, away from the kind of dangerous areas where we can really you know hurt teams. And you know that there's no doubt that as well as probably feeling like he had a point to prove, I think he clearly relished being able to play more centrally when he came on against Rangers because it's just a whole different ball game for opponents, isn't it? When you when Salah is you know pinned against a fullback right out wide it's completely different to when he's able to find little pockets of space 15, 20 yards inside from the touchline and, and drive towards goal. And yeah, they were three finishes of the the absolute highest quality and you know reminded me really of the form he was in this time last year because it was October 2021 when he was scoring goals for fun. You know, 10 successive games he scored in, you know, those goal of the season contenders against City and against Watford. Those are the heights that Liverpool need him back out on a on a regular basis. All very Salah-esque goals, weren't they? The first one was absolutely top draw with what he did, brought it down perfectly, forced the ball into the net. But but they all had that sort of Salah hallmark on them, James. They did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um yeah, the first one, the way in which he just the instant control as the ball dropped, dropped from the sky, and then the strength to hold off the defender and we've, we've seen him do that numerous times haven't we score from that kind of angle that you almost think it's you know virtually impossible to to beat a top keeper from but he he finds a way and yeah and then the second one I, lo- I love the second one just what did he have three three players around him and just the poise and the calmness to you know, I think he actually just put his studs on top of the board didn't he to stop it great moment and then just he almost used the defenders to kind of blocked the keeper's view a bit and just tucked it tucked it past him and then yeah the way in which he opened his body up for the third one and and found the far corner it was yeah it was it was funny I don't it was it wasn't a massive outpouring of emotion from him was there at the goals I think probably because of the the state of the game I think when he, he came on at 3-1 you know the, the game was probably already won and you know seeing Salah on a mission like that was probably Rangers' worst nightmare but I think also there was a little bit of for Salah I think like from his body language, it almost felt like he was kind of saying, you know, finally, about time kind of thing. Because, you know, I, I, you know, it, it will have hurt him that he hasn't contributed more than he has done. And, you know, and you've got the Haaland factor as well, where, you know, what, what did Salah, you know, missed out on the, you know, the, the golden boot by such a narrow margin last season. And I think, he, what does he, he's got three golden boots from his, his five seasons at, at the club. You know, having signed that contract, he will have expected... To have been, you know, right up there again, competing for those top individual prizes, and he would have expected Liverpool to have been at the top end of the Premier League table as well. So, both on an individual and collective basis, I think he will have been hurting, and that was, yeah, that was that was a big, big step forward for him at Ibrox. As you've rightly pointed out in your piece, which people can read now on the Athletic, it's called Salah's fight to get back to where he was for Liverpool starts here. And in it, you talk about the need for him personally to start firing again. But actually, the fact that it's almost fundamental, isn't it, to Liverpool's season, for the season to be a success, for Mo to be in that sort of vein of form. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Liverpool don't win anything this season, I don't think, unless 
unless you get the real Mo Salah performing on a on a regular basis because he, he's still he's still the the biggest match winner that Klopp has got in his squad. You know, it's people have short memories, don't they? It wasn't that long ago when we were talking about him being a a serious Ballon d'Or contender, and you know his output did did dip in the second half of last season. You know, on the, on the back of probably Afcon and then the added heartache of what went on in the World Cup playoff and and missing out to Sadio Mane's Senegal, and and obviously this summer, you know, with all the the kind of the noise around his future it being kind of ended by him signing that contract and and getting a proper summer break, you know, he he like everyone else would have expected himself to to have achieved more than he's done in the opening few months of the season. But yeah, that was that was why it was such a delight to see, wasn't it? Because it, you know, you you almost racking your brains thinking, well when when did we see Salah, you know, do that to a team and it was I think it was probably probably Manchester United when, you know, that what was that probably April April time. So uh yeah, long overdue, but you have to obviously throw in the caveat, okay, it was only Rangers. Let's wait and see if he can replicate that against Man City on, on Sunday. But for a player that's been struggling for, for confidence, you, you couldn't have asked for a bigger boost going into that game. Of course he can at the weekend. Let's bring Kiva into things as well. Um, look, I'm sure you weren't expecting a six-minute hat-trick. And I know all of a sudden it, it was saying on social media, fastest ever Champions League hat-trick. I was thinking surely Messi must have got somewhere near this. But it sort of categorises it, shows just how good it was by Mo Kiva. Yeah, did and I don't know if you've seen the list, but I think Lewandowski was on the list a couple of times for quick hat-tricks in the Champions League. I think he was like 12 minutes, 13 minutes, so Messi wasn't even you know high up on it. Salah's just completely obliterated the record and Jota has as well for assists, which is just a madness that kind of went under the radar a little bit that he'd assisted you know, all three goals in you know, the time that he'd come on the pitch as well. So he made a big impact and I think, you know, that'll be important for him. You know, he probably should have finished the chance that um, Harvey Elliott would have, you know, finished behind him and, and got the goal. But yeah, I thought Salah was just back to his old self and it was just so nice to watch, you know. I ju- just hope this hasn't become the It Was Only Rangers podcast and it becomes, <laughs> you know, another false dawn in Liverpool's season of, you know, ups and downs because... I think it's been a bit tiring that, hasn't it? The 9-0 against Bournemouth and other results where you're thinking, okay, yeah, you know, Ajax maybe, how they sort of grounded that result else. This can't be that. This has to be, you know, something that really pushes them on now. And I think not conceding first against Man City will be crucial to that. I just think that is so important because... Rangers score last night and straight away it was just like, oh, here we go again. You know, they've had to really fight for it and Rangers just collapsed, didn't they, in the end? But Liverpool just were were magnificent. And I think if they can start in the way that they finished last night against Man City, that is the Liverpool of old and that will be the way they will get anything out of that game. Well, it was Mo who was the history maker, but it, it was Bobby who walked away with the Champions League player of the night two goals but the best moment of the night for me personally was that flick for Nunez for him to score absolute sheer audacity very Brazilian didn't look like you know anyone else would fall over there James but he looked perfectly balanced it's just wonderful flair (laughs) yeah it was classic Firmino wasn't it doing something that he really didn't need to do but it just looked absolutely incredible rather than than choosing the the straightforward option that most most players would have gone for but yeah I, th- I just think it's it, it's kind of symptomatic of of where he's at, at the moment he's enjoying a real sustained resurgence and um yeah where would Liverpool be this season without Roberto Firmino and it's 
it's funny, isn't it, to think you know the way that the way that things pan out because you know a few months back, you know, no one would have ever dreamt that Liverpool would have been so reliant on on Firmino and his his output in the opening few months of the season, especially you know off the back of Salah. Know, signing that new contract, you know, eighty-five million quid on Darwin Nunes, and you know, with with Diaz's impact in the second half of last season, and and Jota as well, you thought, well, Firmino's going to be a distant kind of fifth choice here, and you know, probably pro- prove useful when the domestic cups come around and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I think the biggest thing for Firmino is is having a, a period of staying fit because that was always what's killed him a bit in the last couple of years, the number of absences he's had and. The lack of rhythm, but yeah, what is it? I think it's twelve goal involvements already for him this season. Eight, eight goals and four assists, which is you know unbelievable. And I think for, you know for going back a probably twelve, eighteen months now, we we talk about you know what is the situation going to be with Salamane, Firmino, and you know how do Liverpool handle that situation with three players' contracts running down around the same time, all similar ages. You know, you don't want to be lumbered with all three on on massive money at the age of thirty three, thirty four, whatever. And 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 I think there was always this perception. It's probably proved right that obviously you know you probably you push the boat out to keep one. You probably have to to cash in another one, which obviously that's what's happened with Mane and and Salah. And then with Firmino, I think it was like if you're going to let one just run their contract down and go for nothing, then Firmino's the one probably because he's got the the smallest in terms of like resale value, but he can't. He couldn't be making much more of a compelling claim at the moment for them to to wave an extension under his nose because who would want Roberto Firmino to walk away from Liverpool next summer? You know, I don't think you'll find many Liverpool fans that that would um, that, that appreciate that realization because um, I think he's still got an awful lot to offer and he's he's shown that in the first couple of months of this season. He's been there so long, hasn't he? Started under Brendan Rodgers, of, of course, but he, he doesn't look like a player who wants to leave either. And he looks pretty undroppable, Kiva, but there's a, the added incentive for him to try and get in that World Cup squad. Now, of course, Brazil have just got an abundance of riches, haven't they? I think Jesus is even struggling to get in there. But the way he's playing, he might just force himself into what possibly could be his very last World Cup. I think, you know, in terms of Brazilian players in the Premier League, Roberto Firmino scored more goals than any any other, hasn't he? He's the, you know, the top Brazilian when it comes to goals scored. And I think he should be definitely pushing for that squad. He's not a player that I wouldn't want around. You know, it's difficult for us to say that because we've watched him for so many years. But if you think about him, he symbolises everything that Jurgen Klopp has brought to Liverpool. He's just been the perfect player almost. Obviously, he signed before Klopp arrived at the club, but he would have, you know, maybe been a sign and Klopp would have looked to sign himself because of his attitude and his work rate and I think his overall quality. He does some things on a football pitch that only the likes of Thiago and, say, Salah and special footballers Trent on his day can do, you know, and I think, you know, sometimes he does things that nobody else but Bobby Firmino can do and last night I think you've seen that play out you know, he, he is such a special talent and he, I think he just brings joy to every single game when you're watching him. When Liverpool are playing well and he's playing well, he can be the best player on the pitch and I think that speaks volumes for him. 
it obviously took Salah last night to come on and, and do something mad to sort of take the shine off him slightly. But, you know, he was still there after the game, wasn't he, posing with that trophy for player of the match and well-deserved as well because... You know, when Firmino presses right, I think Liverpool's whole press just kicks into action. You know, when he's scrapping back in the middle of the park, winning the ball back, you think this is going to be a good game for Liverpool because usually when he's on the money, it seems to be everyone else around him kind of clicks into gear. Over the years, that's probably been another thing that maybe has gone under the radar, like his work rate and... You know, you could ask rival fans of clubs across the Premier League whether they'd take Firmino and a lot of them will probably say no. But I think if you have spent as much time as we have watching him, you just take him in a in a heartbeat because what he brings is just, you know, it, it's more than goals. It's always been more than goals because, you know, probably has scored not as many goals and people have questioned that at times, you know, when he goes on those runs where he hasn't scored at Anfield for years, it seems, and it's like, you know, or he hasn't scored away from home or whatever those records are that, you know, people throw out. He's always been a player that's been important to, to this Liverpool team and, you know, he, he's left, dropped out of spaces so Salah could drop into them, so Mane could drop into them. You know, his work rate, I think, has gave Liverpool so much down the years and, yeah, he's just beyond talented, isn't he? You know, that, that assist last night was just perfect exactly what a special player can do in a moment when it's like you know no other player is probably going to try that not many would try that and he does and you know I think when he's ticking Liverpool tick too Jürgen said afterwards I mean obviously you spoke to him James you were at Ibrox Jürgen said the mood has changed that's quite an emphatic statement isn't it Kiefer was mentioning before, I hope it's just not one of those false dawns or a stick to beat Liverpool with, or it was only Rangers. Do you think Jürgen senses something different around his players? I think it's difficult. I mean, he did he did follow up that statement about the mood has, has changed by saying, but we also know the best team in world football are coming to Anfield on Sunday. So I think, you know, he's he's not stupid. As as Kiva said before, that you know... We, you know, I think I think we've learned already this season not to get carried away by one great night because it was, you know, you see the fluency against Bournemouth and you think, okay, well it was only Bournemouth, but you know, if Liverpool play like that against any team, you know, they they'll get the job done. And then you know, the, the last minute winner against Newcastle was supposed to be, you know, that that will really ignite the season. You know, the dramatic late winner against Ajax that was supposed to do it, that didn't. So yeah, I think it's a case of wait and see because Sunday is the ultimate test of whether Liverpool have turned a corner. And, you know, there were, there were still things about the performance last night that did worry me a bit. Again, another slow start. As Keith said, you just cannot, you, you can't give City a one-goal head start. You can't take 20 minutes to get into that game on Sunday. And actually, the, the manner in which they conceded the goal as well, James? Oh, alarming. Yeah, yeah alarming. Because, it's, you know, it's, again, it's not, it, it very much fits in with that category of teams not having to do too much to score against Liverpool. Because you know they they just sived straight through the middle, didn't they? It was you know, it was a, you got, you'd have to say it was a great finish from from our field, but you know there's a gaping hole. You know the lack of protection in midfield, and then you know I think it was a hole between Canate and Gomez that he ran through. I don't think there'll be a big party at the AXA Training Centre the next few days, and plenty of time off, and just see see you again on Sunday afternoon, lads. We've cracked it. I think I don't think Klopp and his staff. No one will be getting carried away with that because he'll know that, you know, there were other moments as well when, you know, Liverpool made mistakes that 
a better team than Rangers would have punished them. So yeah, in the end, you can't take anything away from them in the manner in which they absolutely tore Rangers to shreds in that second half. And it's you know it's a night that anyone there will never forget. You know Rangers' joint heaviest defeat in any game in their history. So it, you know it was absolutely humiliating for them. And you know the confidence factor can't be underestimated. But let's wait and see what happens against City because. Um, yeah, Harland and Co are a different, a, a different kettle of fish. I urge you to check out James's piece on Mo Salah, and if you're not already a subscriber to the Athletic, uh, you can go on there and read all the articles on Liverpool, everything on the site uh, by heading to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool Pod. And for a special price, a pound a month for six months, just a pound a month for six months at theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool Pod. So the biggest game of the season is ahead against Manchester City at Anfield. We had a thriller last year, the 2-2, t- a couple of draws in the league. But of course, Liverpool with a couple of successes, Community Shield and the FA Cup semi-final. It can be done, Kiva. It has to be done, doesn't it? You feel for Liverpool's season to be worthy of anything at, at the moment. It just feels like everything's pinned on this Manchester City game and... You know, we know Liverpool have blown them away in the past. We know they've been difficult games in the past as well. And obviously City at the minute, just apart from that nil-nil draw in the Champions League against Copenhagen, I think, you know, they'll be absolutely raring to go for this one. And, you know, Haaland is in scary form. You know, I think we've mentioned him pretty much every week on the podcast without really wanting to because he's just such a presence, isn't he? And he, he scares you for, you know, what City can go on to achieve this season. And Liverpool have just looked so far behind them in their performances. And I think it'll be crucial for Liverpool to, you know, get that defensive stability and get that right because they've just looked so open and just not themselves. And I feel like that's affected the whole team. I, I feel like Alisson's had a great season, but... I feel like the defence is almost, you know, the way they've played has let him down at times because he's been pulling out incredible saves, save after save in some games. And then he shouldn't have to be doing that as much. You know, we know Liverpool's high line kind of feeds into that and as always, but at the minute it hasn't been working. And, you know, you can only hope that City aren't able to, you know, re-tap into this um gappy looking Liverpool defence because we, we know how punishing they can be you're seeing against pretty much every team they've played this season how well they play and going forward and you know it does worry you but then I think after last night there's this hope there's this almost like you know maybe it's a false hope again but I hope it's not that you know Liverpool can can click into gear and can put in shifts and minutes and moments of performances like that where they all look on the same page you know for a lot of the bad performances this season they've looked like a team of individuals or they've you know been blaming each other or you know the passing's been off and you can tell straight away I think there's been a bad energy sometimes just around them and as soon as it kicks off you just know Liverpool are going to concede first or you know like the Brighton game Liverpool are going to concede last you know as well and I think that's been just something we haven't been used to watching really so I think from the City game I think you just want to see straight away that first five ten minutes you know Andy Robertson playing and just flying into a a big tackle or something and City giving away the ball and the crowd going mad for that I think you you just need that and them open a minute and then you know Liverpool can build from there win this game and then I think it just changes the whole complexion of the season, doesn't it? Everything changes, I think, if they beat City. You know, didn't, didn't manage to do it against Arsenal, a tricky game. 
a lot went against them. I think they'll need some luck in certain circumstances against City, and you know they'll be hoping that that, that they can pull that off because I think you know this could be a real turning point in in Liverpool season, especially as the game sort of come thick and fast. But also you know heading into that World Cup break soon as well, and I think going into that you want Liverpool to have as many points on the board and be as close to the top as they can be, because you know ten points from eight games is just so below par. Goes without saying, the, the crowd have got a massive role to play in this one. And as Kiva mentioned there, James, Liverpool's Achilles heel this season has been conceding soft goals and all of a sudden you've got Erling Haaland in the equation there. They've got to prepare by focusing on themselves, but with the knowledge of, well, that this is, this is a special player they're coming up against. Yeah, I think you know that it's going to be intriguing, isn't it? That battle between him and, and Virgil Van Dijk and who comes out on top in that one. You know, I think Van Dijk's been the first to admit this season that he hasn't been at the level we've come to expect from him. But you know, you could say that about you know a lot of players in that squad because I think that's one thing that that gives me hope going into Sunday is that we know that this Liverpool team are capable of so much more. It's not like you're looking at this Liverpool team and thinking when you match them up against City, you don't think, you know, how, how can Liverpool possibly compete? It's more Liverpool really need their big players to deliver on the day and get back to where we know. And that, you know, Van Dijk is obviously absolutely key to that. Whatever combination he goes for in midfield is huge and, and, and Salah at the top end of the pitch because he is more than capable of deciding a game of this magnitude almost single-handedly with the, the quality that that he's he's got so um yeah some big decisions for Klopp selection wise it's gonna I think he'll go with Robertson probably rather than Simicus at, at left back you'd, you'd fully expect him to stick with Gomez at right back I thought I thought he did really well against Rangers you know brilliant cross for Firmino's second goal I thought Canate you know considering you know bound to be a degree of rust for his first start of the season but I thought it was great to see Canate back in there and I thought thought that you know he he, he did well on the night so you know you thought him and Van Dijk are pretty much nailed on and then what does he you know does he stick with this formation that he's used the last mm. couple of weeks or does he go back to a three in midfield I think you know I, I hope he sticks with it actually do you not think it was problematic at Arsenal you know allowed space behind the, the midfield four and obviously you've got De Bruyne there who could exploit that yeah I mean I I I just think you can you can play that system, but also when you have Firmino as the as the ten, you can almost have him when Liverpool don't have the ball dropping deeper as and actually almost giving you like a third man in in midfield. And Firmino's got a you know a, you know a great record against City. So no, I I didn't really agree with the. You know, I saw some people saying that the system was to blame for what happened to Arsenal. I didn't think the system was to blame. I just thought it was absolute shoddy organization, communication, lack of leadership lack of common sense at times with you know the way in which they left themselves exposed so um no I, I I like this new system and I think you know it it also gives him a chance I think to get into the team a lot of the players at the minute that you would want to see starting you know I'd like to see you know Jota left probably Salah right and and Firmino in behind Nunes who you know again felt like a, another important step for Nunes you could see what that goal meant to him at Ibrox and then you know you're probably talking about then a toss up between Henderson or Fabino to partner Thiago if he does go with a a two in midfield. So um, yeah, I, th- I think the issue for Klopp in terms of going back to a three is does he really know what he's going to get from Fabino? Because I think F- Fabino is very much in the kind of 
the, the Van Dyke Salah category in terms of you know an absolute world class player that has dropped way below it this season. So yeah, some big big decisions for Klopp. I'm kind of optimistic going into Sunday because I think also I, I like the idea that that usually you go into a game like this and there's huge pressure, isn't there? It's like you know you've got to make home advantage count. You know you've got to. It's you know with the gap there is at the moment there isn't that same degree of pressure. And with City much the the more in form of the two, people are almost expecting them to turn up at Anfield and win. And and I'm sure Klopp will be trying to tap into that kind of that feeling of being the underdog. I think it feels massive. Kiefer, what you know? What's your expectations? And I know you mentioned it before briefly. What a win could do, but how big do you feel the game actually is? It's massive. I think it's massive for City because they beat Liverpool, even Liverpool, who have struggled for form this season, and they think, yeah, this is us. We're going right towards that title. And I think for Liverpool, it's it puts a bit of a you know, a bit of a speed bump in in City's road, you know, in their race to the title. If Liverpool can win, and then that I think in turn just turns Liverpool's whole perspective. It, I think it just changes everything for them and makes them, you know just start picking up points again and that's the main thing you know picking up wins is is more crucial I think because the draws at times have been like defeats you know the opening day against Fulham and the Brighton game there was a just a, a low feeling after that I think wasn't there among the the supporters base as well I think you know the fan base have been you know not feeling as good as we we've all been feeling the past few seasons and I think that is kind of something maybe, you know, you were starting to think, are we going to have to get used to this? Because, you know, we've had it so good for so long and now things are changing a little bit. But I think this could completely transform that feeling. You know, that feeling goes away and then Liverpool are capable of great things again. And I think this is the big test for them and that will be what Jürgen Klopp will be telling them, you know, in the next few days that you go and beat Man City and then, you know, everyone that was, I guess, laughing at you on Sunday against Arsenal are, are no longer laughing anymore and, you know, all right. Maybe Liverpool are back, and then that has a knock-on effect to the teams Liverpool play after that. Because I think every team playing Liverpool at the minute is just thinking, well, we just scored early against these. You know, we can get something out of this game, and everyone's playing them with this confidence of like, oh, we figured out your master plan. They seem to almost be, you know. So I feel like if if Liverpool can just lay down this one marker, I think that sends a little a little signal out to the rest of the league that you know. Maybe the back. Let's hope that they are because you know it's been it's been grim watching. I think at times this season, but you know it doesn't always have to be that way. And I've I've just got a good feeling. I don't know. I just I feel like surely this bad run can't go on any longer, and this is the perfect game to fix it. Right, let's finish the pod with a with a thought on a young player, sixteen year old uh, Kiva's written about him, Ben. Is it Doak or Doak, by the way, Kiva? Do you know? Uh, Doak. Doak, all right. Ben Doak. Yeah. So actually, James, you you saw him in action, didn't you, for the 21s up in Scotland? Nin- 19s, yeah, in the UEFA Youth League. Oh, it was the 19s, yeah. right, okay. Yeah. And played a pretty pivotal role in the win. <laughs> Do you know what? I've I've seen him probably four or five times this season and um, you, you have to keep telling yourself, you know, come on, he's only 16, very early days. You don't want to burden a young player with too much pressure, but he is... He is a very, very special talent. It's hard to believe watching him that he is only 16 because he more than holds his own physically. He's got that kind of Scottish kind of grit and determination and, you know, never shirks a challenge. But he's got that combined with like, you know, mesmerising skill and 
ability to beat a player and to create and to see passes and and to finish and um, yeah if anyone hasn't seen his winning goal against Rangers in the UEFA Youth League I'd I'd urge you to have a look on online because I know BT put the clip out because in the context as well Liverpool were down to 10 men they'd they'd gone from 3-1 up to to 3-3 it looked like they were going to end up shipping a fourth and, and probably you know return home with nothing to show for their for their efforts but um, yeah Doak out of nowhere sensational individual goal beating a few players and then with the outside of his boot finding the far corner and you know obviously even more special for him back in his home city of Glasgow and you know as a former Celtic youngster to score the winner against Rangers so he was there was a nice moment afterwards where he came across to the stand where we were sat and he had loads of friends and family there who you know kind of rushed to embrace him and most of his Liverpool teammates in the under-19s, obviously went to Ibrox for the evening game. I think Ben Doak actually went back and spent the night with his family and watched it on TV with them, because I think probably being a former Celtic player, it wouldn't have been the, the smartest move to have been sat in with the the home end to, to watch that one. But I'm, I'm sure he enjoyed the drama that followed in, in the senior game. But uh, no, yeah, I know Keeve has been chatting to some of the, the coaching staff that that kind of played a, a part in his rise and... Um, yeah, when you think Liverpool paid what six hundred thousand pounds for him, I wouldn't be surprised if we, if we see him make his first team debut against Derby in the League Cup next month. Because um, of all the ones that are knocking on the door, he's the one for me that's probably most deserving. Keeper, we know, we know he's special. If you're doing a background piece on him and he's sixteen, you speak in your piece about how focused and grounded he is. Go and give us an, an idea of what what sort of young talent uh, Ben is. Well, I guess you have to look at his recent um, call up to Scotland under twenty one side, and he scored within seven minutes. I think of you know making his debut at sixteen against Northern Ireland. So that kind of speaks to sort of the volume he's already playing at, and I think you know he's he's getting. I think he appeared for Liverpool's under twenty ones recently as well off the bench late on against Wolves. That you know he's already knocking on the door for the under twenty ones. Like James said, it's soon he'll be keep on knocking on the door, and you know we'll maybe get that Liverpool appearance because he just looks a talent. I think the the first game I watched him in, I was just you know blown away by so many young Liverpool players that day. Um, Trent Coney, Doherty was thought was brilliant, Ronell Young and uh, Lewis Kumas as well. You know, that front line is just, you know, for the under-18s this season is just, you know, incredibly talented and Ben Doak is very much a part of that. So it was, it's always nice, I think, to, you know, speak to, you know, the first coaches and the, play, you know, the, the scouts and that kind of thing. So chatted to Evan Ferns, uh, Dol Rye, which is Dol Rye Rovers, I think it was called them, and I think it might have a different name now. Um, which was at Ben's, I think his second team, because I got told that basically he was playing for Kilburnie and then Dolry absolutely, you know, annihilated them. And then the next thing, you know, uh, Ben appears for, for Dolry. Then, you know, he sort of swapped teams because they were the better team. And obviously he was one of the better players. So, yeah, he was playing with the year above and um, it wasn't long before he got uh, scouted by Raymond Patterson, his name is, uh, who's the, the head scout for Air United. And, you know, then he was playing there for a few months and then it was, you know, not long after that Celtic picked him up because he was just making waves, which I think if you watch his goal yesterday, you can kind of see, you know, what, what we're working with here. It's just, you know, a uniquely talented winger, someone who's just, you know, so gifted and to take the ball pretty much from the corner and, and just run it into the box, you know, something a goal Mo Salah would be proud of. 
pretty much yesterday. And I think, you know, how he, he I don't really know if he's left footed or right footed. And I, I've wrote a whole background piece on him because both his feet are that good. And I think you <laughs> see that yesterday with that finish. It's almost like he, he doesn't depend on either foot. And, you know, just hearing backstories of him, you know, training on the Astro turf near um, where Dol Rye still train. And, you know, he's just up there most nights, not like, you know, normal teenager. This is what Evan was saying, you know, maybe sat in playing on his Xbox after. Celtic training, he was, you know, practicing his finishing and everyone I spoke to kind of just said, you know, he's just this this kid with this determination to make it and, you know, he's getting closer and closer. It seems with every step he takes is, you know, always closer to the box and, and closer to more opportunities. It, yeah, it just another one of, um, you know, so many talented players in Liverpool's youth ranks and, yeah, he's just emerged so quickly when you think as well he arrived at the club with an injury and was you know sort of given minutes by minute sort of 45 here and then eventually built him up to play 90 and there he is just um looking looking to dominate at the minute and yeah great to see him celebrating with his family at the end of the game there yesterday seeing a, a video of that and you know they'll be so proud and so excited of him because you know he's from this little town in in Scotland and you know he he's already a bit of a hero there you know every time he goes back he goes to the team and you know they said he's just he's just one of their own which is you know really nice to to hear so you know hopefully we'll be talking about him for years to come read the full piece on Ben Doak on the Athletic uh, right now Kiva's written that uh, just before we finish uh, a shout out we mentioned in the last podcast of course about David Fairclough who was uh, was in hospital, he had a stroke, he'd come out. His son Tom is a big listener to the podcast. He sent me a message and said, he's much better, he's back home and he's in great spirits and thanks you all for the well wishes. So, brilliant stuff. Uh, let's hope that recovery is speedy. Our oh, best wishes to you, David. Uh, my thanks to uh, to James and to Kiva as well. Thanks for listening to The Red Agenda. The next one is after that City game. Let's hope uh, we're smiling then. We'll see you for that one. Goodbye. <laughs>